three. Didn't get there. Looked like Jamal Adams may have led the charge from his safety position. Two. The Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. You know, um, we're excited. We're excited about Jamal. Um, you know, the plan is for Jamal to be a Jet for life. That was Joe Douglas at the scouting combine in February. Now it's July and Jamal Adams is a Seattle Seahawk. Welcome to an emergency edition of Can't Wait, our Jets podcast here at The Athletic. Tim McMaster here with Connor Hughes, who broke the news earlier today. Adams traded. We'll get into the return. We'll get into what went wrong overall with Adams as a New York Jets and all of that. Does this make the Jets better off going down the road long term? But I guess, first of all, we'll start here, Connor. Um, The Daily News story came out on Friday, about 24 hours later. Adams is out of town. How did this happen so quickly after things went so bad? Yeah, so the 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 story from the Daily News, which was, I mean, unprecedented. I mean, I, I actually was talking to, to my editor, Chris Strauss, about this. I put it in our, our NFL Slack channel because I was trying to rack my brain around it. If I could ever recall a time where a player went on the record to – rip into a coach and a general manager like Jamal Adams did while still playing for that coach. And and a lot of people that I talked to all had it. Cause I look, I've heard of like the out coach, like when, when players have said like, Oh, we were out coached and then we were outplayed. And, and when a coach gets fired, guys will, will dig in and rip them. But what I couldn't remember or couldn't recall at all was a guy who was currently employed by a guy ripping his current head coach like this it, it, like basically days before training camp starts and and quite literally saying I don't think he's the right guy to get us to the promised land I've never heard of it and and everyone that I talked to had never heard of it you have guys like Darius Slay who just did it to Patricia but it was after he was traded you know there was stuff with um Kevin Barlow and 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 Mike Nolan but that was after he was traded there was obviously Miami Dolphin players who ripped Adam Gase, but that was after Gase was gone. So this this was like completely unprecedented and totally out of the blue. And it surprised not only people within the Jets organization, but it surprised everyone that I talked to around the league because no one saw this coming. You know, it's one thing to request a trade. It's one thing to take veiled shots like, like Jamal's been doing on Instagram. It's one thing to anonymously rip a player. I mean, that's what happened with Tiki Barber and Michael Strahan years ago when they took it and when they ripped into to Tom Coughlin anonymously. It's one thing to do with that. But to put your name to it and go on the record like Jamal did with the Daily News was and, and is completely out of the blue, completely unprecedented and new. So that certainly, I don't know if it was necessarily the straw. It was probably the straw that broke the camel's back. But these discussions between the Jets and the Seahawks, what I can tell you from talking to multiple sources, is that the Jets and Seahawks have been discussing a trade regarding Jamal Adams for quite some time. And when I made a call to, to someone over, um, someone tied pretty closely to this trade, what I was told is, Connor, this doesn't happen in a day. This is not something that, that okay, Jamal talked and, and this story ran in the Daily News on Friday. Jamal Adams is traded on Saturday. This does not happen in one day. It's not like, oh, okay, let's now move him and boom, 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 here are all the pieces, it's all done. No, this is something that's been talked about for weeks. It's something that's been talked about for months. This is where they've been going back and forth. 
the reason why the trade happened now and the one major piece, not the story and what Jamal Adams said in the Daily News, that's not what got this to the finish line and done. The main piece of this equation that that was the waiting game and, and what needed to be finalized was the negotiations between the NFL and the NFLPA to have some kind of resolution on what the future salary cap is going to look like for the Seahawks, not the Jets, for the Seahawks. What the Seahawks needed to know was that because it very much looks like the NFL is going to play games this year with no fans in the stands or, at best case scenario, minimal fans in the stands, there was a chance that the league was going to lose like $3.2 billion in revenue. If that happened, the salary cap had the potential to drop $70 million in 2021 next year. That it was going to take what the salary cap is right now, drop it $70 million. If that was to happen, there were going to be three teams that were sitting over the salary cap. And with those three teams that were over the salary cap, they were going to be over by like 5 and $10 million. So the Seahawks were one of those teams that if the salary cap dropped $70 million, they were going to be screwed. They were not going to have money. They were going to have to finagle people's contracts and cut people. So they were not going to be in the position to uh, add somebody like Jamal Adams. Even if they didn't give him a new contract extension, they were not going to be able to bring him on for what he was going to be paid in 2020. They couldn't do the trade. When the NFL and NFLPA came to this agreement where they were able to say, okay, in a worst case scenario, the 2021 salary cap will be $175 million. That's what got this trade to the finish line. That's what made it so that if this worst case scenario happens and the team's salary cap in 2021 is 175 million, the Seahawks will still have 27 million dollars in salary cap space. They can free another 11 million by cutting Dwayne Brown. They can free another like 6 million if they cut uh cut Quandre Diggs. So they can add even more salary cap space. They now have the flexibility. That's what opened the door to get Jamal Adams done. It probably enticed the Jets to do it right now as opposed to waiting a little longer to see if there was, you know, whatever to do or if they could reconcile this relationship. It probably this story enticed the Jets to get the deal done now. But the main thing that needed to happen for this deal to get done is the is the understanding of what the 2021 salary cap is going to be. Once that came down, that's when this thing got done. The Seahawks had it. I mean, look, what the Jets got back for this guy is a bounty. And so the fact that they were able to get this kind of an offer for Jamal Adams, it 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 was it's what made Joe Douglas change his tune. It's what made his Joe Douglas change his tune. Yeah, and let's get right into what they are getting back exactly. Which And it's interesting because you go back to the trade deadline and there was talk like, oh, if the Jets could get two first-rounders, they would have probably moved him way back then. And that, that You're talking about one and two through. twos. A yeah, one and two one and twos, twos, and they would have moved him last year. So this is what they get. They get a 2021 first-rounder, a 2021 third-rounder, and then a 2022 first-rounder, but then they send their fourth-rounder. So that's kind of a trade, fourth for a first. But still, mm-hmm. obviously, a significant move up from the Jets' fourth-round pick to the Seahawks' first-round pick next year in 2022. And then Bradley McDougal, who it's it's not just a throwaway player, right? He's this starter. is a safety a that, that <laughs> fills in directly the role. So you're losing a safety, and you're immediately replacing him with a starting safety in Bradley McDougal. So it's a great haul. It's I think it's more than... I think it's more than the Jets could have hoped for in a situation where they weren't suddenly put in this situation where everyone in the NFL knows that they want to trade Adams and Adams wants to get dealt. Usually the moment that big story breaks and everybody knows how disgruntled the guy is, immediately what you're going to get back is going to be 
discounted, at least in some way, and the Jets now get more than I think anybody ever thought they would, and plus the player too. So beyond the picks, we who knows what those will be. For this to be a successful trade for the Jets, they have to draft wisely with those picks, so only time will tell over the next couple of years if they do that. But they immediately get McDougal back. So talk about what he is as a player. Well, re- real quick, just to kind of go back to, to what you yeah. were saying about this return, and, and it goes to what Joe said at the Combine about making – Jamal Adams a jet for life. He wasn't lying. I mean, he wasn't trying to just right. say a good, you know, sing a good tune and and give us media members headlines. That wasn't the goal. The Jets throughout this entire time, even from the moment that Jamal requested a trade, they had no intention of trading Jamal Adams. That's not a lie. That's not a team spin. That's really what it was. They had the the resources planned out to pay Jamal Adams. They intended to pay Jamal Adams. They wanted to make Jamal Adams, like Joe said, a jet for life. What changed, and we've talked about this before, was that, or the the big kind of um, bickering match between Jamal Adams and the Jets is that Jamal wanted his new contract right now, and the Jets were not willing to give him that contract right now because of the primary, the primary reason was because they have him under contract for both this season and next season. And then also the uncertainty of the future salary cap because of the COVID-19 pandemic and where they don't know what things are going to look like. They don't want to give them all this money. The only thing that would have changed this trade and, and, and basically convinced the Jets to trade Jamal Adams is exactly what Joe Douglas said at the deadline last year. They needed to be blown away by an offer if they wanted to trade Jamal Adams. If they, after this daily news story, were only getting... Uh, second round pick offers for Jamal. If they were only getting, uh, say, McDougal and then a third round pick, or they were only getting kind of your starter and a four conditional, they were not going to trade Jamal Adams. The Jets were perfectly content going into training camp with Jamal Adams on the team. They were perfectly content making Jamal Adams play out his rookie contract and not moving him. Even after this story where he ripped Gase and he ripped Douglas, they were still not going to trade Jamal Adams for pennies on the dollar just because Jamal Adams wants to be traded and they wanted to get rid of them. They wanted to get rid of a headache. They realized the impact that Adams has on the field. They realized that right now, even after getting back uh, uh, McDougal, all this stuff, they're not a better team today at this moment than they were 12 hours ago. They were a better team with Jamal Adams. They realized all that. So if they were going to trade their best football player, they needed to be blown away. And the fact that last year at the deadline, they would have taken a one and two twos and they managed after all of this, after all of the the crap that Jamal Halladams has done in terms of the headaches that he's caused and begging for a trade and saying he's going to want to trade. The fact that in the face of all of that, they were able to get two first round picks, a third round pick, flip a fourth round pick, and then also get back a starting player because that's what McDougal is. He is a starting caliber player. I talked to somebody that evaluated him and said he's a very good player, can play both safety positions, has some coverage ability, but is better near the line of scrimmage, and he is a very, very underrated player. They got that back in addition to all the draft picks. I mean, this was a deal that quite literally, Tim, they could not turn down. The Jets could not say no to this trade. They could not say no to this trade at the deadline last year if it was offered and they didn't intend, like like Jamal Adams was all this happy camper until he heard his name floated around as a potential trade, like trade partner, right? Like that's when all, oh, now I want to trade, blah, 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 blah. The Jets weren't going to turn this deal down if they got it at the deadline last year. I mean, this is a quarterback ransom that they got for a safety. 
I mean, it's crazy. Like they they can't say no to this. They 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 could never have said no to this. All right, let's take a quick break because you may have heard sports are back and they're coming back more and more. So you can save forty percent off a subscription to the athletic. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Get all access to the athletics exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Get unlimited access to breaking news, in-depth stories, and expert analysis on what's sure to be one of the most enthralling seasons in sports history. Major League Baseball is already back. Obviously, the Jets reporting to training camp this week, and you can have all the inside information from Connor Hughes and so many more great writers at The Athletic. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast, you can save 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back, and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. So I get that they would have held on to him if they hadn't gotten this great offer, and and that's fair. But the fact is that if he shows up at training camp um, a few days after the story and all those quotes that he threw out there, there's absolutely a chance that suddenly this starts to spread, right? It starts as Jamal Adams isn't happy, but then he's in a locker room, socially distanced, in a locker room with a bunch of teammates, and he's, you know, he's talking. There's no doubt that this guy is going to be talking about how this team did me wrong in the offseason, and I'm I'm not happy about yeah. this. And sure, he, I'm sure he would still bring it in 2020 for the New York Jets on the field because that's the kind of player he is. But who knows the effect that this would have had in that locker room for this team. So the fact that they were able to get this done a couple of days before everyone arrives at training camp, I mean, I think for 2020, yes, you're not going to have Jamal Adams. That's going to have a huge impact on this team on the field. But in the locker room, this is probably a much better scenario as far as keeping this team glued together through a 2020 season that admittedly without Jamal Adams probably looks a little bleaker for the Jets as a team. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I I, I actually touched base with a handful of players about that. Like if it was going to cause this, like if seeing Jamal go out on like the all of the like going out against the coach and the GM, if that's going to impact their feelings on the team. And the vast majority of the guys that I talked to all said the exact same thing. And that, and that's what you kind of expect to hear from these guys. And that's it's it's a guy trying to get paid. And there is an unwritten rule in the NFL that when a guy is trying to get a new contract, you don't interfere with that. A dude trying to get his money, you don't interfere with. And you kind of just understand it. Like whatever battle tactics like guys use to try to get paid, you just let him go. And that's why a couple of years ago when Le'Veon Bell was holding out of the Steelers, it was such a massive headline when a lot of the Pittsburgh offensive linemen started speaking out against Le'Veon's got to get back here. He's hurting the team. He's got to get back because you had to realize Bell was doing him to get his money and he's trying to get paid. And in the NFL, you're one hit away from never playing again. So when a guy wants to get paid and a guy wants his money, you have to let him do his thing and do what's right for him to take care of his family, to take care of himself, to get his paycheck and get his money. So you never interfere with that. So a lot of these guys, I think just the, a lot of the guys I talked to all took that stance of, no, it's just him trying to get his money. No, it's just him trying to get paid. It's totally understandable. It's a contract. We're not pay- It's fine. It's no big deal. Where I'm in line with you, though, and I think about it is that, and I, th- I think the Jets came to this realization, is that we've said about, I mean, 
Marissa has titled every single one of these podcasts. I'm sure that she's run out of like Jamal Adams <laughs> the entire seven. off season. Yeah, it's been Jamal Adams saga. Synonyms part for unhappy. Oh, we we got more like episodes than freaking Star Wars right now with all this Jamal Adams crap. Right? Like Revenge of the Sith is coming up, right? Like Revenge of the Safety. <laughs> so it's like I mean we're coming up with like all these different things. We're talking about Jamal. We're talking about Jamal. Talking about Jamal. What we've continually said to him is that. There's only one play for him because he's under contract the next two years. The Jets control him. The only thing that he can do is is request a trade, is say he wants to be traded, and kind of try to become enough a pain in the ass that Joe Douglas says, all right, ship him out. The one thing that when we were discussing this that I never in a million years thought was a possibility was what he did in the Daily News on Friday. When he opened up, and said that he does not believe, and you, look, Jet fans, a lot of Jet fans do not like Adam Gase. A lot of Jet fans don't believe he's the right man for the job. That's fine. But the fact that a player, your best player, came out against your current head coach and said, I don't think he's the right guy to give me to the promised land or get us to the promised land. When that quote is said on the record, attributed, that's when suddenly Jamal has entirely realized that the only weapon that he had in this fight was his voice and he was willing to use it in ways that were completely unprecedented and nobody really has ever done before. I mean, look at Yannick Njoku up in, up in Jacksonville, right? Like that dude's trying to get out of, been getting out of there for like two years. Like I like he's, he's, well, he's done with Jacksonville. He hasn't even gone to the extent that Jamal was willing to go to. And I think what suddenly had to have been a thought in Gase's mind, in Douglas's mind, in Christopher Johnson's mind, in everyone's mind over there in Florham Park, is that if Jamal's willing to go to this extent now and publicly say with his name tied to it that Adam Gase isn't the right guy to get to the job, he's going to get that desperate to get traded. What happens if this season begins whenever the hell it begins and the Jets start 1-3? and three? Is he going to be calling up the Daily News again and giving the complete game plan of what Adam Gase did compared to what he should have done? If attacking the owner, which is what he did, if attacking the, which again, the, the Woody Johnson stuff is is completely, it's it's reports that have surfaced. Woody Johnson has, complete, has venom, uh, denied it, all that stuff. I mean, look, if, if what is said in that CNN report is true, uh, that's a whole other case. And, and there are going to be more than just Jamal Adams speaking out against him. So that's not denying that. But if, he, he spoke out against the owner, right? And after that report came out, he spoke out against the general manager, both anonymously, and he spoke out against the general manager through these veiled Instagram comments, did the same thing against the coach when he kind of told Antonio Cromartie about it and the Cromartie let it out. Then he obviously leaked some reports anonymously as well. But now if he's willing to go publicly on that, rip publicly rip the coach, publicly rip the general manager, speak out against the owner, also do it all anonymously. And then that doesn't work. What is he not willing to do, right? So now is he suddenly so desperate to get traded from this team? Is he going to start, say the offense struggles? Is he going to start taking aim at players? Was he willing to now start talking out against Sam Darnold? Was he going to start talking out against Le'Veon Bell? Was he going to start talking out against Chris Herndon? Was he going to take shots at the offensive line if the offensive line doesn't come together like hoped? Was he going to take shots at fellow defenders? Was he going to take shots at Greg Williams? I mean, who wasn't? You know, if he's willing to literally go after the head coach publicly with his name tied to it, who is not in his target line? And what is he not willing to do? 
I don't think at that point there was anything Jamal Adams was willing to do to not try to expedite his trade out of the Jets unless the Jets started winning. So you were basically going to be put in a situation here with the Jets when the regular season starts that if they don't win and they don't start winning, this could be a ticking time bomb just ready to explode because Jamal Adams was literally willing to use his voice in a way that I never thought was possible. I don't think you ever thought was possible. I don't think like, I know this from talking to people around the league. People around the league never thought was possible. This this was unprecedented. And I think that while players said they wouldn't care and it didn't create a distraction, didn't create a distraction. I'm with you, Tim. If they let this one continue and go on, it was going to be a distraction. Yeah, he set a new standard for what you can do oh, to get oh, out yes of town. Did, That's man. for sure. Oh, yes, he did. Um, so there's some remnants of this, though, because he's gone, sure, but that article's still out there. Douglas has made this trade and got a great return, but a lot of negative things were put out there about Douglas. And granted, he's still somewhat new to this position, um, and Gase obviously has been just scorched. Um, so the Jets have to bounce back from that. Now, Gase can do it by winning football games. Um, that's the easy way for the head coach. Go out there, win football games, and you win people over. That's not going to be easy with this team schedule and not having Jamal Adams now, but that's what you have to do. As far as Douglas goes, do you think that he handled this situation poorly until this trade? Or is it just a matter of inexperience and some sensitivity by Adams? I mean, there, it could. you know what I mean? Like, Yes, it wasn't perfectly handled by the team, but also there's probably two sides to this as far as why it went so badly. So I'll put it this way. If Joe had, and I kind of wrote this this yesterday, that, that Joe Douglas had tried to do nothing approach, that it was, and he probably assumed like all of us did, Jamal didn't have any play. Like he, like he didn't have any cards really to play. And then, and then, I mean, he really just pulled the Joker out and it was like, ha look what I can do. And it was wild. But, um, I, like literally, man, I still like reading that story. I've read the story a hundred times. I still can't believe he said what he said on the record with his name tied to it. But if it, this was kind of like the, the point of my column that I wrote yesterday, which was that Joe can't let this thing, he can't do the do nothing approach anymore. He had to do something. He could not let this fester any longer for the reasons that we just discussed, which was, if Jamal's willing to say what he said in the Daily News on Friday, you cannot go into the season with that being considered okay because you have no idea what he will say now. And and he one player that's willing to talk out like that on the record without a care in the world, clearly, you've got a potential massive issue on your hands there. Joe would have, in my opinion, handled this poorly and deserved criticism if the Jets got a first round pick and a player for Jamal Adams, or if the Jets got a one and a four for Jamal Adams, or if the Jets got a second and a starting player for Jamal Adams right now, I would have been writing a column that we actually, we if you guys are say, go on the athletic.com, uh, my editors, to our columns up on this whole thing. And there's a big section in there about Douglas giving him a ton of praise. So if, if he had done that, what I had just said, like I've gotten a first and something he would have deserved criticism because, in my opinion, as a general manager of this football team and as a guy who's being paid a ton of money to do this, he needs to be able to have the foresight to know the player, know the situation, and have an idea that this kind of explosion like Jamal had was possible. And if he was just going to get a one and a four, he was just going to get a, a one and a starter, he should have had the foresight to trade Jamal Adams before the draft so that he could have, say, he traded him to the Cowboys. He could have come out of this coming draft with Mekhi Becton, where he did, C.D. Lamb with the Cowboys pick, and then one more starting caliber player. 
But what Jamal, what Joe Douglas got from the Seahawks, that changes the landscape, man. Because he came away with more than I ever thought was possible for forget Jamal Adams. I mean, any other player. Like, I, like if the Jets, tra- if the Jets had Khalil Mack and traded him for this haul, I would have said like, yeah, good trade. Like, like this, like this. What they got, man, is ridiculous. You're talking about again, two first round picks, a third round pick. And a good starting player, like again, like I said, this the, the kid, the kid they got back, he's not a schlub. Like he's a good starting player. So the fact that they were able to get back two first round picks, which I didn't think was possible before the draft, I didn't think was possible at the deadline last year, and a third round pick and the starting player, no, there, there's there's no criticism. And, and if anyone's gonna like, like yeah, Jamal Adams ripped into ripped into Joe Douglas, all that stuff, he could. All Joe has to do when anyone questions what he's like, and again, the draft picks are going to have to be a, to be determined. Like you got to see how Becton and Mims and all these players that Joe Douglas drafted this year. You got to see how they turn out. You got to see how his free agent signings work. You have to see what he does with these draft picks that he acquired. But the Jets and I wrote this. I wrote this line in the column that we just we literally just put up right now. The Jets have been searching for competence in their front office as long as I have been on the beat literally and from what i understand again like i've made it very no i didn't grow up a jets fan i'm not a jets fan now so the the years before i can't tell you like the ins and the outs of this team before i got there but from what i understand they were searching for competence a hell of a lot longer than before i've been there probably since bill parcells yep. was running the show have they been looking for competence at the front off like in the front office right joe douglas what he's done just look at his trades Flipping Leonard Williams for a three and a five, a defensive end that he had no intention of signing. We thought was going to get dealt for a fifth alone. He got a three and a five from him. Now trading Jamal Adams from this. I mean, the, the, the guy, he is more than competent. He's showing that he has the potential. If he can, if he can take this kind of uh, free agent savviness like he did with the signings of, of not overpaying for players, still fixing the roster, but also not doing it in a way that kills the Jets' long-term cap flexibility making the trades like he did with Leonard Williams, Jamal Adams, um, making these draft picks, if the draft picks pan out, what you're seeing as a guy that doesn't have competence, you're talking about a guy that has the potential to be one of the best general managers in the NFL. And and when the Jets went out there, and, and, and this is in there too, and this is kind of my last point on this, is that when the Jets made the decision to fire Mike McCagnan when they did, I was one of, they received warranted criticism. And I know talking from people in the front office, they realized that a lot of that criticism was warranted. Christopher Johnson, the owner of the team, the guy who made the decision to fire Mike McCagnon, realizes that criticism was warranted and admits that probably he should have fired Mike McCagnon before he did. He should have fired him right after, he should have fired him at the same time he fired Todd Bowles and had the coach and the GM go at the same time. Christopher Johnson, the owner, realizes that. So the criticism that they received after firing McCagnon, after they let him pick Adam Gates, after they let him spend so much money in free agency on massive contracts like he did for Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley, after he let him run his entire draft and then to fire him, it yeah. was the wrong call. I mean, the, the phrase that I used back then, was, and I know if people on Twitter have thrown this in my face a hundred times, was organizational malpractice. In my opinion, that's what it was. He should not have, like, it was wrong. They did it the wrong way. They should not have fired McCagnon when they did it. They should have <laughs> fired McCagnon. It was the right move to fire McCagnon. There was evidence well before all of this that he should have been fired, but you can't let him do all of this and then fire him. The one caveat that I had to it all, though, was if they came away with Joe Douglas, it was worth it. Was that it all was worth it if you came away with Joe Douglas. And the reason that I said this, and I say this when, when we talk about players in college, 
I'm not a scout, man. The people that are paid to evaluate college players have no idea what the hell they're talking about. That's why, like, the batting average for finding good draft picks is, right. like, 300. Like, seriously. Like, no one no one knows what the hell they're talking about with evaluating players. So imagine what it's like when picking a front office executive, right? But with everyone that I talk to about Joe Douglas, every call that I made around the league, every agent I talk to, every front office person I talk to, all of this stuff, every single one of them told me that Joe Douglas is the can't-miss executive prospect. He is the can't-miss guy. He is the one that has the personality for it. He's the one that has the evaluation eye for it. He's the one that has the people skills for it. He's the one that has been trained under Ozzie Newsom, who's one of the best to do it, Howie Roseman, who's one of the best to do it, and all of these other people. I mean, Eric DaCosta right now with the Ravens is a hell of a general manager. He came up in the same system with Joe Douglas. So everyone I talked to was like, this is the right guy. So it almost became that if, yeah, it was the wrong decision, organizational malpractice to fire McCagden when they did. But if they somehow managed to come away with Joe Douglas and he's as good as everyone says, it's the right call. And when that deal got finalized, when Christopher Johnson spent all that time wooing him and the six-year contract was finally what got Joe Douglas to Florham Park, when that happened, the text message I got from one of the, the most high-ranking sources that I have, and the text message I got was, I can't believe the Jets just got Joe. That was the text. I can't believe the Jets just got Joe Douglas. It was the Jets. The Jets with all this terrible reputation, the same old Jets, all that crap. They just got Joe Douglas as their general manager. This guy couldn't believe it. That's when it kind of became like, maybe it is worth it. And when you see what he's done since he's been general manager, Ryan Khalil, Ryan Khalil signing notwithstanding, it's looking pretty good, man. That that Like I said, Jets want competence. They don't just have competence, man. They've got... They've got somebody that has the potential to be one of the better general managers, if not one of the best general managers in the game. Have you seen, I'm, I'm bringing this up because there's a lot of chatter in the chat about this on Twitter and everything. Have you seen the Le'Veon Bell tweet yet, Connor? Uh, yeah, yeah, the Le'Veon tweet. Yeah, All I right. saw it. Yeah. Uh, well, what, did he send that one recently? I saw the one no, where he, it was from yeah. three hours ago. Yeah, okay, let's, so yeah, let's end on this, just to get into it a little bit. And and there's plenty more to, to unpack, and we're going to have another episode coming up. And Joe Douglas just released his statement, too. Joe Douglas okay. officially came out with a statement. Um, we're going to have more on Monday. We're going to record another episode, getting you ready for training camp. Um, but but Levy and Bell says, people do all the hooting and hollering to get you brought in just to leave, LOL, like people weird, yo. The internet got these dudes doing whatever for attention. Even when they tell you bleep, they don't believe themselves. Uh, where Where's Le'Veon going with that tweet? Well, I mean, think about it. Like when, with, remember the whole Jamal dogs yeah. comment? Like the infamous, I need more dogs, I need more dogs. When the Jets were pursuing Le'Veon Bell, it was Jamal that was blowing up his phone. And it was... Le'Veon, the culture's changed. It was Le'Veon, this is a new era. Le'Veon, be a part of the turnaround. Le'Veon, we're about to make the change. It was all this, come to the Jets. The Jets are new. The Jets are back. The Jets are back. And Le'Veon bought in. Yeah. He's like, well, I mean, the $52.5 million helped. Like, <laughs> obviously, the Jets offered him more money than anyone else was offering him. Like, the Ravens were kind of in. 49ers were in. Not at the price tag the Jets gave him, obviously. So that would, you know, they were, he, wasn't coming to, he wasn't coming to the Jets for a bargain. Like, the Jets had to pay him, and eventually they did. But Jamal was like the guy that spearheaded the recruitment, you know, like it was almost like a college recruitment. And a year after Le'Veon gets there, suddenly Jamal is asking for a trade because he doesn't want to be a turnaround. Look, I mean, th there's all these quotes out there from Jamal that I don't run in the face of adversity. The Jets are back. The culture has changed. I want to be here. I'm the president of New York. Well, look, man, he he took his ball and he went home. The, and, and I get it. Right. I mean, I think the losing took its toll on him. The losing beat him up. But. It's a bad look for Jamal. You wanted to be a part of the turnaround. You wanted to be the face of the team. You wanted to turn around the culture. Well, 
adversity comes and you're packing your ball and going home, I mean, it, it's not a, it's not a great look. And if I'm Le'Veon Bell, I'm a little pissed off because Jamal's not the reason Le'Veon Bell signed here, but Jamal played a role in Le'Veon Bell signing here. And and now for him to leave after the first year, it's it's not a great look. All right, so we'll end things with Joe Douglas's thoughts. This just came across on Twitter. This trade provides us with a unique opportunity to improve our team with multiple first-round picks in each of the next two years and the flexibility to continue to build this team for the future. Adding Bradley McDougal's consistency and production to this year's team was an important piece that gives us more experience on defense. While we had maintained our interest in Jamal Adams having a long and successful career with the Jets, we know it's important to be prepared and willing to adjust to new offers and circumstances. As I have always said, my job is to listen to calls, and this offer was one we could not ignore. He's doubling down no, he could on not. picking no, up the phone, doubling down on yeah. answering the phone, um, and, yeah. it, and it it's pays off. Good thing off. he answered that phone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> imagine if he ignored. Imagine if that one went to voicemail. Ooh, that's not one you want to leave unread. So that's going to do it for oh, this emergency edition of the Can't Wait podcast. As I said, though, we'll be back on Monday with a lot more. We'll talk more about Jamal Adams but we'll also look ahead to training camp 2020 which is getting ready to go we'll talk about what that means how it's weirder than ever before and and what connor's going to do without press box power rankings in 2020 all of that and more coming up on monday thanks for joining us here on the can't wait podcast